As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is AutoLine After Hours with John McElroy and Gary Vaslash, episode 434 for September 7th, 2018. ZF and ADAS, safety meets autonomy. Watch AutoLine After Hours live at AutoLine.tv every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 p.m. Pacific Time. You can subscribe to this podcast for free by searching for AutoLine in iTunes, Stitcher, or on YouTube. AutoLine After Hours is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires, your journey, our passion. Lear, a global leader in automotive seating and electrical systems. And by Borg Warner, propulsion solutions that support a clean, energy-efficient world. Okay, thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us. Um, as you can see, John is not here right now, but we'll be bringing him on as a special guest shortly. On his own show. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Christy Schweinsberg from Ward's Auto. How are you doing, Christy? I'm doing great. It's Good been a while. It has been a long while, yeah. So, so we're glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. And um, well, Looking forward to the chat today. Looking forward to the chat. And we have... Deron. I mean, the, the inevitable, the irascible, the incredible, irrepressible. the irrepressible, inimitable, inimitable. And, and why would you want to? And, and I think we've run out of words that begin with an I and, and, and uh, Deron Levine. He is the host of In the Driver's Seat, Sirius XM Channel 121, every Saturday Correct. at noon. And we hope you're all subscribers, and we hope you'll all tune in. This is subscribers to SiriusXM, not, subscribers not, necessarily, to SiriusXM. not necessarily to your specific No, exactly thing. right. And, um, and again, go to... Go Just to the, listen to one of Howard Stern's broadcasts, and then come right to me. And, and, and you'll be stunned at how good taste mine is compared to his. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> all right. Now, we, we actually have a very special guest, because he's probably wondering why he's here, because we're busy bantering with him. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, so he's Christoph Marnot, mm-hmm. but he says his name in a way that I can't possibly uh, duplicate. Uh, no, your, your French is very good, actually, Gary. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, thank you. And, and so he's an executive vice president with, with ZF. Now, now, we just have executive vice president here, but I also have some additional information. So you have global operation responsibilities for the global electronics business and occupant safety system. That's correct. Yeah. Within mm-hmm. the ZF Active and Passive Safety Technology Division. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, you have a big job, and much of it is related to safety, mm-hmm. electronics, and autonomous driving. Is that correct? Yeah, you can say that, yeah. So uh, my, my area is very much around you know, passive and active safety. So you know, if you think about what happens before a crash, so um, my business you know, develops and sells some cameras and radars to avoid the crash to happen, obviously. But then if, unfortunately, a crash becomes unavailable, uh, we are able to provide some airbags, some seatbelts to uh, mitigate you know, the consequence of an accident. Yeah. So, so the passive part is the camera part and the active part is the airbag or the seatbelt that keeps you... Well, the, the active would be the other way around. Sorry, active oh, way is, around. Okay. Exactly. So the, avoiding the crash and the passive is what happens if you know, the crash is unavailable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... In, in, in the area of, of electronics development for this, I mean, is, is this a growing activity or is this something that you guys have basically figured out? Well, the, the, the electronic business of ZDEF is very much to be uh, seen as two, uh, as two different blocks. You've got 
um, what I would call the, the safety electronic side of things. So we do uh, airbag control units and, and crash sensors, um, but we do also some uh, control units for steering system, for, for braking systems. Um, that portion of the business is, is growing, yes, but um, it's, it's a moderate growth, uh, to, to make it simple. Um, the part of the business which is growing very, very fast is everything around the ADAS system. So we do uh, we do um, uh, industrialize. Tell everybody what ADS is because yes, we talk, that's sort of our internal code. You. But it's, it's a lot of people. You're right. That it's is. it's uh, what we call the advanced driver assistance systems. Um, so um, you know, for us, it means we we uh, sell cameras, radars. Uh, we work on lighters as well to um, you know to uh, make sure that the vehicle understands what's going on around the vehicle. Uh, we also develop some. Uh, uh, central control units, um, you know, simple ones, but also much more advanced ones to treat um, all the data that are collected by these sensors. Um, um, and, and that's basically the two components that we provide, the hardware that we provide for these ADAS systems, but we also develop some functions uh, to be able to uh, uh, interpret these signals from the, uh, the environment, but also to uh, do something about it, right? So, um, you know, driving the uh, uh, auto emergency, sorry, the emergency uh, braking uh, system, for instance. So we will basically process the information to uh, give the signal to the braking system or something is going wrong, you need to brake the car right now. Yeah. So, you, so you sense, think about it, and then do something with what you yeah, thought about. We, we like to talk about the chain see, think, and act, right? So see is everything that the sensors are going to do. So we see that you know, there is a pedestrian in front of you or, or an object in front of you. Think is we get the information on the central computer and uh, uh, we decide what to do about it. And then ZF also has a, a full set of actuators, um, the brake system, the steering system that um, you know, enables us to uh, avoid an accident or, or diminish the consequence of an accident. Or control the brakes. Or simply control the brakes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm interested in this because I've, I've had these advanced collision warning systems, advanced collision braking systems. They all seem to work a little bit differently. Today, what is the state of the art in terms of being in a car, having an advanced system, having something in front of you, Traveling at a certain, and you're traveling at a certain speed, and avoiding a collision by you. If you if you've lost, if you've been distracted or don't brake fast enough, what is it today that your systems can do to prevent me from rear-ending a vehicle in front of me or crashing straight <laughs> head-on into something that is immobile? It, it really depends. It really depends on the vehicle, right? I knew right? I was going to get I'm sorry about that. But, but basically, you, you see the problem we journalists we are trying to explain uh, this to the public, yeah. and nobody can explain it to us. Well, let, let, let's um, let, let's try to create a gradient, right, okay. between a vehicle that doesn't have any assistance at all, and you still have some of them on the on, on the market, right, in certain places of the world. Sure. And obviously, the Ultra is basically the autonomous car, the L5 level vehicle in which you don't even have a steering wheel. Okay. That. Uh, um, that you don't have to operate because it's no, a robot talking, that basically is I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a vehicle that you can buy today. That, that's where I'm going. You expect to drive and be responsible. That, that, that's where I'm going. So depending on the regions, okay. <laughs> depending on the regions of, of where the vehicle is sold, um, you know that AEB, so the automatic emergency braking, is a requirement in, in, in the U.S., for instance, right? Not quite yet. Not right. quite yet, but it's coming, it's coming pretty close. Okay. Now, if you go in Europe... Um, the um, um, Euro and CAP um, Association basically is prescribing more and more advanced systems that you know do more than only the AAB uh, the AAB function. So if you look at the, the 2022 version of Euro and CAP that is still in preparation right now, we're talking about the possibility to identify that you know before the vehicle turns that there is something in the angle you know that that is potentially a, a danger to the to the vehicle. And, and so you, you have a very different approach to that. You need to have some sensors that are able to see that there is something going on in an angle. So this isn't f only front, it's also side. Exactly, exactly. Side collision. So and I so, have a, I, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh. so, so what, what I'm saying is that depending on the region you are and the more advanced your vehicle become, you need to be able to handle some situations that are way, well, more and more complicated. And that creates a technical challenge for us, which, uh, which we have to raise simply. So. You know, something like this, it comes with some sensors that are going to be able to see in the corner. So it could be a short-range radar that are in the corner of the vehicle, or it could be a camera that have a, a wider field of view that, that needs to see that. Uh, and in general, I would say that the, the more complex these scenarios are, the more data you need to collect, the more data you need to be able to process to make the right decision. So that's the famous chain, see, think, and then eventually act. So I, 
I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but what I'm trying to say is that depending on where you're looking at the world, the, the requirements from the market is, is different and has some you know, impact in terms of the technology that we have to develop and then eventually to sell to our customers. Christy. Yeah. So um, I explained before we started that at Wards we're doing 10 Best User Experience Awards, and we've been testing all summer ADAS systems and vehicles. So um, I was in a vehicle uh, this summer coming down uh, Northwestern Highway in Farmington Hills, uh, we have in Michigan what we call Michigan lefts, where you have to go to a divided median to make a left. And this woman pulled out in front of me, and my vehicle never paused. And I was wondering, is a profile of a vehicle today uh, detectable? Or, or what, what can your cameras see um, that... What can they see now, and what will they be able to see in the she, future? She was making a left, and you were coming straight, and she pulled out in front of you. Yes, she did. I hope you didn't have an accident. No, no. I was paying attention, because you have to pay attention with these yeah. that, That's systems. That's true. You, you remain in control of the vehicle, yes. by the way. So you're still responsible of, uh, yes. of what happens with the vehicles. I would say, again, it depends on the vehicle and the level of systems you have in there. I'm going to give you an example of um, the latest camera system that we brought on the market. It's, um, it's a product we call the TriCam. Mm-hmm. So most of the cameras that you see right now on the vehicles, it's, it's, a, it's a monolens camera that have a given field of view and a, and a given range for, mm-hmm. for you know, seeing the objects in front of us. With the TriCam, you come with, with three lenses on, on, on the same hardware. You got a traditional 52 degrees um, uh, cameras. You have a cameras that have uh, what we call a fish eye lens that can see 150 degrees. So this is where it would have been useful in the, the okay. situation that you mentioned before. And then we have what we call a, um, a tele uh, telephoto. So basically a wide range um, uh, lens that can see up to 300 meters ahead of the vehicle, mm-hmm. but a pretty narrow field of view. So with this kind of, of, uh, of products, you would be able to handle a much uh, different scope of, uh, of situation, much larger scope of scenarios that, that happen in everyday life, right? So, Christophe, isn't, isn't the thing, though, that, I mean, the, the camera is an object that is just taking in information. Mm-hmm. And, and what really matters is what is done with the information that the camera takes in. Yeah. So, so presumably any camera could have seen the car in front of Christie. I mean, any, but if it didn't interpret it and it didn't then send a signal to, you know, a braking system or a steering system or what have you, that it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah, yes and no, because, uh, again, these the sensors, I mean, are becoming more um, advanced and they can see more things in more situations, et cetera. But, but still, we, we believe that the, the closer we get to, uh, uh, to uh, autonomous driving, then, then camera alone is, is going to be, it's not going to be enough to handle all the situations, right? So we're going to need different sort of sensors in addition to what the camera can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where radars play a role. Um, all sorts of radars. So I talked about the short-range radar to, to, to see the corner, what's going on in the corner of the vehicle. But you're going to also have some mid-range and, and, and long-range radars in front of the vehicle and, and potentially in the back as well. And then uh, what everybody's talking about right now is what, what are we going to do li- with LiDAR, right? So radar are pretty common in, in today's vehicle for, for ADAS system. But when you get to, um, to autonomous driving vehicle, this is where uh, most likely you're going to have the three sensors working together. And obviously, they're going to collect a, a huge amount of information, a huge amount of data on the environment. And I forgot to mention that, by the way, by the, 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 the time we get to that kind of technology, vehicles are communicating with not only each other, but also with everything around, right? Particularly in a urban environment. And all this information needs to be collected, needs to be uh, processed by a central computer. And then after that, yes, the intelligence in, in all that is to be able to process the data and make the right decision. And this is where probably AI is going to play a role as well, so artificial intelligence. Are you beginning to work with a AI systems at all? Yes, uh, on two areas. So first of all, we have a partnership with NVIDIA, um, and actually we, we have brought to the market the first, um, one of the first automotive uh, applications for, for um, an AI-compatible uh, hardware uh, with a, an NVIDIA chip on it. And uh, actually, we, we, um, we're going to launch this, um, this product in production in 2021 with, with Cherry. Um, and actually, earlier than that, we've got taxi. Yeah, with Cherry. Yeah. The, the Chinese, Chinese company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Pro-AI. Um, that's, um, that's um, you know, it's, it's a computer, right, that, that can really handle all this, this data volume. But more than that, is able to handle the function as what do I do in, that, in, in, in such situation. Yeah. So that's the think part. 
That's the think part, yeah. And this is where after that you send the information to the actuators and make the decision in terms of do I brake the vehicle, do I accelerate, do I turn left, do I turn right, etc., etc. So this, this is a question from NC, who's out in the audience. Um, is, is V2X data integrated into the autonomous safety process as well? Well, yeah, that, that's part of it, yeah. So that's one, one information that we would collect and basically integrate into the central computer to make the right decision, yeah. So this would be things coming from municipalities anything, and anything actually we even have uh, uh, we work on pretty attractive stuff or interesting stuff we we have uh, one product um, it's kind of a watch it's a bracelet that you can you know give to your kid and you know instead of uh, um, crossing the road uh, looking at some text or some emails then basically this bracelet is a v2x element or a v2x uh, component um, that's going to make your kid visible to all the cars around and make sure that you know it's it's recognized very early on and they you know they don't get into so what is it sending out a signal of some and sort probably yeah. a skateboarder a bicyclist a pedestrian anybody not really, just yeah. your kid with the uh it's looking if, at if you have a cat that is a little bit adventurous you might yeah. even think putting a, yeah. a bracelet to your I cat. Have, i have a question for you you know as, as journalists we're encountering people all the time who express extreme skepticism about whether in our lifetimes we're ever going to see real autonomous like future tech m- mobility i'm not skeptical a bit I'm telling you, I'm encountering people who, who, who are like that. So you may encounter people like that, too, and you're very close to the technology. I'm not, think, I'm not going to ask you when you think any of, anybody would be able to go and buy an autonomous car. But when do you think it will be that autonomous cars will begin to become common in commercial use in mm-hmm. cities and so forth where... They've been demonstrating them. They've been talking about pilots. They've been talking about rolling them out. How long do you think it'll be before you'll go to a city, you'll be able to hail an autonomous car, there won't be a test engineer in the seat, you'll get in it, and it'll take you where you're going? How long do you think that will be? I think, first of all, what we need to understand is that this technology, as a, as a potential use, in a, in a much um, wider range of products than only the traditional cars, right? If you think about... Uh, some very dangerous environments, right? Uh, a, a mining area where you have some vehicles as well that that uh, you know circulate around, and, and um, or other environment like you know you, you you have a field and you have a tractor that goes in your field to harvest the field or whatever. This is already happening. That, that's already happening. That, that's what I'm saying. So th- there is a. Lo- we don't have to worry about that. It's happening. Yes, but you you have to connect this to your question in such a way that a lot of the technology that we develop today can actually be reused in some of these applications as well, right? I mean, the computer that I was talking about before, you can handle you know some information in a geofence area in an industrial application as much as you would for for traditional car in theory it's, it's possible and we actually do that um, the second thing is that um, if you think about what's going to happen in our cities down the road um, yes traditional cars have, have their place in the cities but potentially you might find in the short range you know this robo taxi coming up you know or these people movers or, or these shuttles and for these companies where um, the, the, the main driver in the business case is the cost per mile um, that, um, that you incur while, while using this vehicle, you, you, you probably have a business case which is less sensitive to the price of the technology or to the price of the vehicle than you would have for a traditional vehicle, right? Sure. So, again, if you're looking for what is the number of traditional cars that are going to be equipped with L4 by 2030, it's very hard to estimate today. But, but I think everybody in the industry realized that it's going to be probably harder than we thought it were or it would be a couple of years ago. But for this robo-taxi company, for the shuttle company, for this cargo mover company, there is a very, very compelling business case. And then if you do that in a geofence environment, in a speed which is not the speed that the traditional car is designed to operate at, then potentially you can uh, have a technology which is simple, which is faster to develop, which is cheaper to develop, etc., etc. Long story short, I mean, it, it's, again, it's a crystal ball, right? But uh, by 2030, we estimate that we could see up to 5 million of those vehicles in the road in, in, in specific worldwide. environment worldwide. Yeah. So, so what, is, what, what, what are the challenges? I mean, so, so ZF is a company that is making hardware and controllers. Yeah. Is, is it the hardware or is it the software that controls the behavior of the vehicle. You know, I, I'd like to take your, your question from another angle and say, um, wh- what makes the adoption of this vehicle um, mainstream, right? I mean, at what point of time, as a driver, are you willing to 
hand over the control of your vehicle to a computer, right? And, and we believe that this is linked to the safety, right? If you don't feel safe, that this is basically the case you were mm -hmm. describing earlier, Christy, if you feel that a vehicle would not be able to handle the situation that you mm -hmm. have been in yourself, you're certainly not going to trust the, the, the technology behind this, right? right? And so all this safety is coming through what? It's coming through, first of all, the redundancy of the system that we're going to be able to apply to the vehicle, right? I mean, if you think about, you know, planes have, have redundant system or, or, or safe operating system for, for a long time. So if one fails, the other one takes over. Exactly. So it has some impact in terms of how do you slow down the vehicle, how do you steer the vehicle. We're going to have to be able to provide some solution to, uh, to this kind of, uh, uh, of, uh, of problems. The second thing is, if you think about uh, the sensors and the ability to collect the data around the vehicle, you're going to have more and more data coming in, and you're going to have to be able to process this data. So more and more advanced sensors, more advanced computers to be able to process that and to make the right decision at the end of the day. So the quality of the algorithm is going to count as well. So you have an hardware and a software component into, into the sensor. The next thing is testing and validation, right? I mean, when we, we launch a vehicle today, in the traditional automotive world, we have a very complex, very thorough, very structured testing and validation process. Now we are handling some scenarios that, you know, become much much larger number and way more complicated. We need to find a way to test and validate these scenarios to, to be able to launch on, on the market something that is solid. And the last thing that, you know, we need to, I think, realize, and, and, and that touches the other part of my business, um, the last thing you want once you have an autonomous driving vehicle is to sit straight um, in the direction of, you know, your vehicle, right? I mean, you want to be able to lay down, you want to be able to swivel your seat, you want to be able to be play out with the rear passengers, etc., etc. Now, it's very exciting, um, but when you think about the consequences... That's only with private ownership, because in the first stage, really, it's going to be people sitting, looking forward, because they're picking up people, picking up strangers, right? And, and so... There's that stage where you have cars that look like that, but eventually the day comes when you have a private... Uh, exactly, and that's a major differentiator person. again, right? Because if you have the possibility to, to do just that, this is where it becomes a major point of attraction, if it's safe, uh, to be able to have this vehicle. And it's private, because one of the things about cars in America is it's a great privacy machine. It's the I, I, only place we have where people aren't bothering us if we don't want them to, like Gary. <laughs> okay, but you were going to get to the point that because because people are sitting in spots that are not necessarily defined as they are right now, that in terms of airbags, seat belts, and so on, well, it's it, not so it, much earlier than that. I mean, if you think about, you know, your your car is driving uh, on a highway; it's autonomous, and and you want to take a nap, so you you're going to bend. Uh, the, the back seat, and you know you're going to take your nap. It's good for you. The problem is that if you do that, then you're out of zone in terms of the current airbag system protection, right? right. So if you have a side crash, and, and let's face it, before the whole all the streets have only autonomous driving cars in there, it's going to take decades, right? So you need to be able, even in an AD car, mm -hmm. to have these occupant safety systems in there. Um, so we need to find some solutions there. Right now, it starts with. Um, you know, where you do, where will you anchor your, your seat belts or, or uh, where do you have your, your side protection airbag, right? That, that kind of stuff. But if you think beyond this, um, and, and if you have a car that is um, fully equipped with stuff like, you know, advanced sensor system or you have an interior observation system that allows you to see how many occupants you have in the car, in which position they are, if it's, you know, a child or or, you know, a six-foot-tall man, et cetera, et cetera, you can, before the crash happens, take the right decision to avoid that the crash has some consequences that are, you know, extremely, extremely tragic, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that when we get to the point of bundling all this technology and, and you know, work on what we call the integrated safety within ZF, then it becomes something that, that is very attractive, we think, for, for the consumer basis. And this is where you will expect the volume for, for these kind of vehicles to rise pretty, pretty significantly. Okay, we have some questions here from the audience, and I want to make sure we get them while you're still here. Um, Norm from Utah says, um, can you talk about... Um, Innovation truck in the last mile delivery. I don't know if you know about this. So we, we do have, we, we work on this with, um, uh, with ZF and, and we, uh, we actually uh, show to the press uh, an interesting prototype um, uh, pretty lately. So you, you, need, you need to imagine a, a situation where you have uh, a small truck, a small delivery truck uh, in a urban environment. You have one driver and the driver is also the one that's going to take um, the uh, the package at the at the back of the truck and uh, and to bring it into uh, uh, into the mailbox of the of the final customer. So 
uh, instead of having the person, you know, jumping, you know, from behind the wheel to in the back of the truck, then to the mailbox, etc., uh, the truck is able actually to follow uh, the delivery man. Um, and even in a position that if you realize that he cannot park where the, the mailbox is, I mean, the car is going to be able to, you know, turn around the block and, and then pick up the delivery man when he's done with the delivery of the package and, and go from that. So that's the kind of solution that we can envision, and, and we are working actively on that. Okay. Um, NC, this is a very good question. I like this one. Is data overload ever an issue for the automated vehicle? And if so, how is it addressed? Um, I, I will say that um, if you think about the most advanced robotaxi companies we're working with, um, even the Pro-AI box that, that we have designed with NVIDIA, we realize that we, we, we won't be able to stop with the generation we have. Actually, we're working on the second generation, and, and even there we realize that, you know, depending on the, the sensor data that we're going to collect, um, we're going to need even more processing, processing power than what we thought out. So uh, is that a problem? Is that a constraint? Yes. Do we have a solution for it? Yes, we're working on it. So we, we think we do. Okay. Um, Mike Flowers wants to know, when are we going to be able to ride in an automated vehicle with all-wheel steering? With all-wheel steering. So um, I'm, I'm glad to say that, at least on traditional vehicles, we have an all-wheel steering solution with the ZF. Uh, we actually have what we call the AKC, which is a rear steering uh, steer system. That's pretty fantastic, by the way, particularly when when you are in a, in a situation, when, when you have this all-wheel steering system, when you, a situation when you need to avoid an obstacle on the road, I mean, the, the, the quality of the drive or, or basically the force that you need to um, um, endure as an occupant is, is, is widely diminished compared to what you would have with a, with a traditional vehicle. How this is going to be coupled uh, with an autonomous driving vehicle, I, I, I'd love to tell you that I'm going to bring that in service mm-hmm. production very soon, but, but I, I can't tell you the date. That system is really good for parking, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, you, you should see we have some prototype of pickup trucks that we have equipped with this four... Uh, steering wheel system, or the, this uh, rear and front steering system, it, it's amazing. It, it improves the maneuverability dramatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, James Mills asks, is ZF hiring? I'd love to work for a company <laughs> with a strong focus on autonomous driving and safety systems. So James, if you're an engineer uh, and uh, you want to have a, a challenging career, yeah, we are hiring. Um, we hire, I mean, my uh, business unit, so the one that works on, on electronics, uh, we have now 2,400 engineers on board, and we're going to be 3,000 engineers by the end of next year. And if you join us, um, um, the least we're going to offer you is a competitive compensation package. Yes. <laughs> like I think everybody in this, this market. Tell, $10 says he's not a software engineer. Uh, uh, oh, he's not a software engineer? <laughs> well, we don't know. Uh, we, we, we don't know. We don't know. But my guess, $10 says he's not a software engineer. But if he is, and then um, so I'm sure if he goes to ZF.com, he can find... Um, Something. It will, but but if what I'd like to say is, I'll give you ten dollars. Okay? <laughs> what I'd like to say is that you're just a damn skeptic. <laughs> I told you that earlier. But what 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 we should um, ensure to James is that if you if you join ZF, um, we're going to make sure that a you're going to continuously train, right? And and we're going to give you tools that you know allows you to um, pick and choose some training that we uh, we set at your disposal, and you're going to be able to continuously learn. Uh, on, on what you need to do to continue to grow as a, as a professional. We're going to make sure that you get some very modern communication tool. So we have, within GE, we have podcasts that we publish on a weekly basis that you know, allows you to know who the executives are, but also you know, what are the latest news of your NCAP and, and all sorts of stuff that I'm sure you'll be interesting to listen to during your commute to work or during your commute to, to the office or wherever you want to listen to podcasts, by the way. And then on a quarterly basis, we I'm bring... listening to this podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. on a standard basis. And then, obviously, we have, um, on a quarterly basis, we bring some external speakers. So not people from ZF, but people that bring a different view on the industry. Um, and we bring them in one of the uh, um, ZF locations. Um, and you have the possibility to participate, ask your questions, and, and um, uh, discover another point of view on the industry. Um, and then we, we have this conference in different locations every quarter. And, and to be sure that you do not miss anything, we actually uh, film this conference, and we give you the opportunity to download that and, again, to, uh, to um, have a, a chance to, uh, to learn from that. So we try to do something a little bit different than, than uh, what others do on the market. 
and hopefully we are going to be an attractive employer for you too as well, James. But you're up against Silicon Valley, which is a big magnet now for engineers and software engineers especially. And this is a whole different culture. And we were talking a little bit about this before the show. Yeah. One thing this guy, James, is not going to be able to do is bring his pet to work, right? That's true. No, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we don't have a bring your bring pet, pet at uh, the office. Policy. We're not trying to turn things into Silicon Valley here, although Ford Motor Company just said that it is going to re- renovate a big building downtown. For it, Detroit is a cool place to be. You're, you're in Farmington Hills, right? We are, yeah. Okay. But it's not far from Detroit, and so the culture, I think, of southeast Michigan is changing somewhat. Do you, do you perceive that? That's true. I, I mean, I, ZF is in the Silicon Valley as well. We yeah. have an office there, and, and so we, we have a point of contact there. Well, you've got uh, a pet, James. You can go out to Silicon Valley. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, we'll see what kind <laughs> yeah. of pet James uh, has, right? All right. All right. Uh, so, okay. We, we've, we've got to end it there, Christophe. <laughs> because, you know, Daron is going to go on another tangent here, and he's, he's going to start talking about, I don't know, Free snacks and, you know. What about free snacks? No, no, we'll leave that for later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christoph, thank you very much for being thank on the so show. This, is, this has been great. And uh, you're obviously somewhat enthusiastic about uh, the development of technology that you guys are, are involved with. Happy to come back anytime soon. Thank okay, you. Great. Thank you very much. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from our friends at Bridgestone and Lear. Lear Connexus offers a parental controls application with geofencing that sends notifications regarding driving behavior and location, including curfew alerts, acceleration alerts, and speed alerts. All delivered to a smartphone application that includes vehicle location, driver notifications, and a report card of driving history, including notifications when predefined geographic boundaries are crossed. For more information, visit Lear.com. Uh, anonymous op-ed on this later. Okay, we have our very special guest, John McElroy, has joined us here in the studio. John? It's a real pleasure to be on my own show. <laughs> and, um, and, and we're glad to have you, we think. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. So Jerome, Jerome will have so something far. to say about that. All right, yeah. so, I, so before we get into it, I, I want to I get some of these things that uh, people have, have written in, and so we're going to start there. Barry Rector wants to know, Barry Rector from Indy, so just in case there's a Barry Rector elsewhere, Farmington Hills, downtown Detroit, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. Um, in your opinion, in your collective opinion, how is FCA doing without Sergio at the helm? Christy, we'll start with you. I've got sales figures right here, Gary. Um, cars, not so well. Down 21.7%. Uh, light trucks, let's see. Up 9.5%. So... Same old, same old, really. I you mean, think same old, same old? Yeah. All right, John, what they, do you think? Well, uh, I, it's too early to tell. I yeah. mean, you know, we, we haven't seen Mike Manley, the new CEO, come out and say anything, do anything yet. I, I think it's too early to make any judgment. Yeah. Jerome? I, I, think, I think Manley has really big shoes to fill, and I think the first part of it is going to see whether the organization will line up behind him, whether he's able to make the organization line up behind him. He, by all accounts, he's a very strong CEO and a very talented person and has done a lot with Jeep and probably was the right person to step into for, for Sergio. Uh, but you don't know until you're there and you have to fill, fulfill many of the big promises he made. Probably one of the biggest things he's going to have to figure out right away is what to do with Fiat because that's a mess in, in, in Europe, and he's going to have to fight the, the unions just like at the, same, at the same time as he's going to end up having to do a lot here for autonomous vehicles, electric, uh, electric vehicles, and so forth. So I, I thought an interesting thing was um, earlier this week the announcement that um, they're opening an autonomous testing facility at the Chelsea Proving Ground because, you know, Sergio seemed to be having this attitude of, well, Waymo will do this, and, mm-hmm. and you know we'll we'll buy it from them. John, what, what do, you, do you think this is a decision that Manley made? Um, unlikely. I mean, he was probably involved in the decision, but I don't think that it was like, hey, we got a new CEO, now we're getting an autonomous test uh, facility. I think this is just the natural evolution. You know, at first, FCA poo-pooed the whole idea, and then they realized, oh, my God, there, there is something going on here. Let's partner with Waymo. Now the next step is, hey, now we've got to do uh, uh, our own test facilities on this. I think it's their baby steps into this technology. Mm-hmm. I think it's important not to forget, though, that basically FCA is a supplier to Google, not the other way around. Google is the one that has the technology that everybody wants. 
Yeah, but Deron, but, but in the automotive industry, and the history has proven this time and time again, any technology supplier, what the industry does is they whittle it down to a handful of global suppliers and force them into a cost race to the bottom. So Google may be in the driver's seat, so to speak, right now in its working with uh, FCA, but make no mistake about it, it's just another technology supplier I, I agree with, so far. I, I agree with you, and I think Google has probably bigger challenges than people realize from the outside because they have not figured out yet a really big way to to monetize their enormous investment in driverless. I mean, they really have had a, a small deal with FCA, a small deal with Jaguar. That's it. Okay, so if you've spent over the last 10, 15 years five, six billion dollars on this, and you're now the chairman of Google. How have you really monetized this? Where, where, where does the revenue come from? That's just pocket change for yeah. those guys. What are you talking about? All right. Okay. All right. So we got, we got another one. This is from uh, Hialf Pei. I'm pronouncing that wrong, perhaps. Is the upcoming mid-engine Corvette the last chance of Chevy to use a pure ICE in Corvettes. Okay, so Christy, you guys do the so, best engines. So, so basically, internal combustion engines for Corvettes is is the mid-engine it, and then after that, they'll all be, I don't know, electric vehicles or something. Uh, well, certainly that is the way the that segment is moving. I mean, it's partial electrification, but I don't know. It seems against everything Chevy stands Well, everything, against the, everything seems against what the Corvette stands for, that's for sure. Mm. What do you think, Jen? I, I think it's going to be electrified. I mean, look look at all the supercars. Look at all the performance cars, whether it's in Formula One, uh, the World Endurance Championship. Electrification is a way of adding a lot more performance to a car. And if this is going to be uh, a mid-engine Corvette to go up against all the exotics, it's got to be as fast as they are. I, I think it's going to have to be somewhat electrified. So, so the, the mid-engine Corvette, when it finally appears, not in camo, it will have an engine that is a hybrid. Well, yeah, who knows how they're going to roll this out? You know, there's all kinds of speculation on it. Could it debut with a naturally aspirated engine? Yeah. Could it be a supercharged? Yeah. Could it be electrified supercharged? You know, when you bring these models out, you want to come out with a base model or, or a model. And then... Eight to 12 months later, you come out with the next iteration, and then another year after that. So you keep interest in the line. So we can't judge the car by how it debuts. Just like, you know, there's uh, the, the ZR1 Corvette right now and, uh, and a whole bunch of other different models. It's going to be the same with the mid-engine. Do, do you think they'll keep the front-engine car? No. So it'll just be purely... I, I thought earlier that that would be a smart strategy to do both. I don't think that they can afford to do both. All right. So with that, we're going to take another break. Okay. So we're going to hear from our friends at Borg Warner. Then we're going to come back, and then you guys are going to have to really think because we're going to have a question. <laughs> the world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. No matter what the mode of transportation, there is always the need for an efficient propulsion system. And that's exactly what Borg Warner has been doing since the earliest days of the automotive industry. We create innovative mobility technologies that reduce energy consumption and emissions while improving performance. Our proven track record has made us an industry leader in forward-looking propulsion solutions for combustion, hybrid, and electric vehicles. All right, we're back. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about on the show a bit, and even it came up today, this whole issue of the last mile and in one way that people are addressing the first and last mile is through electric scooters, which we've, we've talked about on the show. And in fact, that was, that was one of the questions that we had in the Dr. Data segment. So because there's pl- proliferation of, of these, these electric scooters, the question is, what cities embrace them and like them? So Katie, please bring up the first thing. So which city has the most positive perception of e-scooters? Atlanta, San Francisco, Chicago, San Jose, New York City, or Seattle? I'd say San Jose. Christy says San Jose. Daron, what do you say? I say um, Seattle. Okay, and I'm... That's a pure guess. Of course, they're all guesses. I'm going to guess it's the city that doesn't have them. 
<laughs> that thinks they're great because the cities that have them are up to here with them already. <laughs> I don't think Chicago, uh, maybe Chicago does. I, it's going to be Atlanta or Chicago. I'll say, I, I was going to say Chicago, Chicago first. I'll does, stick so, with Chicago that. So, 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 okay, so, so, so we have San Jose from Christie, Chicago from John, Seattle. and Seattle from Derone. Yeah. Okay, and the answer is most positive perception? Atlanta. Uh, I right. should have changed my mind. And they don't have them. <laughs> or they do have them. I think they, they have them. Okay. Have you ever, has anybody in this room ever been on one? No. 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 All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now we're going to. Okay. So the 79% have this positive feeling about e-scooters. Okay. But now we're going we're gonna to flip it around. Which city has the least positive New York, probably. most negative. So we have Chicago. So, so we've, ta- we've, taken, we've taken, we've taken, we've taken out Atlanta. So you say San Francisco. Yeah, I'm with Jerome. San Francisco. I'd say New York because it's just so congested already okay. in New York. I'm well, sorry, Christy, because the answer is San Francisco. That they and and this goes to your point of if like the litter. cities have them. They have them. So, they hate them. So fifty-two percent of the people in San Francisco are not. Having a positive, positive attitude yeah. about these things. So it was, a, it was a good idea gone wrong, basically, right? Well, no, it, it's a good idea that's just been thrown out there with no rules, regulations, you know, accepted way of using it. It's just people zipping all around, dumping them anywhere, and that's when others get irked about it. You know, I saw it down in Scottsdale last year. I went there. They had a bicycle venture where you could leave the bike wherever you wanted to. They were like litter. There were the, I mean, the whole landscape is littered with these bicycles where you could leave them. Mm-hmm. Somebody can pick them up. And, and, and I think in a, in a way um, the, the IT allows you to do that because you can't really r- ride it without paying it for it. And so people would just take it to where they were, and, and they were encouraged to. But pe- other people who weren't using these bikes said, hey, everywhere I go, I see bikes lying were any, around. Were there any in craters? Just- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Christy, you've done your homework, and, and you have. So, so we had sales this week. We did, yeah. And so, what, what's your overall assessment of of how they how sales did? Cars keep going down, 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 and light trucks keep going up, up, up. You know, I mean, it seems the appetite's insatiable for for light trucks, and people are just really cold on. How do you do cars? sales for General Motors without General Motors disclosing their sales? I don't get it. They're the biggest, the biggest um, player in here. We Ward's might have a special good arrangement. Oh, you do estimates. Okay. We might have a special arrangement as well. You have a special arrangement. For our subscribers. Yes. Oh, for subscribers. Yes. Okay. But, but just to echo what Christy said, uh, car sales, passenger car sales, at mm-hmm. least as defined by Wards, fell by 90,000 units last mm-hmm. month. That's the big, I, I've been tracking this month mm-hmm. after month after, this is the biggest drop ever. And the truck category now accounts for 70% of all vehicles sold in the U.S. Cars are some of that might be self-fulfilling though, because production of cars has been taken down. Um, But so so they're producing fewer cars. They're producing more More trucks trucks. and crossovers and things like that. And as a result of that, if you go to your local. Ford dealer, Chevy dealer. That you can see it around here. I mean, but, it's nothing but crossovers and pickup trucks at the local Ford dealer. Mm-hmm. But but the total number of vehicles sold is also somewhat down, right? Uh, we're up 1.1 percent through for the year. For the year through September. Yeah, for the, for the so month, flat. it was flat. It in flat fact, for the year. I think there was only 6,000 units difference between August this year and August last year. But remember, August last year is when the, uh, the hurricanes hit later in the month. So that mm-hmm. disrupted sales. So let's see what September to September comparison is going to be. Probably not as favorable. But we're in a long run now. I mean, we're really, at, I mean, the number of years now that we've been in having strong car sales is extraordinary. It's never been this long. Right. How long can it stay like this? At what point does the market get exhausted and people say, you know what, my car's pretty new. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need this. On the other hand, we have strong employment, income gains. People have money. And remember, and I think this is the key that games everybody's missing, is stuff. the population of the United States goes up by more than 2 million people every single year. Right. 2 million. Right. So in the, the course of this eight-year run, we've added 16 million people to the population of the country. Right. So I think that's given it some legs. Okay. And not just the economy. So the the so economy is the most the important size part. size of the car park. There's is more people crazy. that can buy cars. Yeah. And we're not scrapping them as fast. Correct. Right. Not the cars, not the people. All right, so 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 <laughs> scrapping the people fast. All right, so from what you're basically saying, John, is is that you think that when we see September sales, 
there'll be some moderation in the heat of this market? Well, or? well I'm just guessing that, you know, the hurricanes hit late August last year. There was a big drop off, you know, in Florida and Texas. Then there was a big ramp up in September last year as cars, uh, you know, damaged cars got off the lots. They brought new ones in. People started buying. So I think the year on year comparison for next month or this month, September, is going to be tougher. Mm-hmm. Any sense of that, Christy? No. <laughs> Good answer. All right. Let's move on. So we have a phone call. So let's bring the phone call in. An anonymous hey guys, phone call. Jonathan Brown just uh, calling to say, you guys run, make the best shows. Every one of us at midenginecorvetteforum.com are digging AutoLine. After hours, <laughs> AutoLine daily. So just want to say thanks. Keep up the good work, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Jonathan. Awesome. Appreciate That's it very great, much. Jonathan. You'll get your check later on, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope check is in the mail, the, Jonathan. Uh, giveaway. So, I was I was reading the Detroit Free Press this morning, and uh, there was a story by Phoebe Wall Howard, who has been on AutoLine After Hours, and, and lo and behold, I saw quotes from John oh, in this yeah. story, mm-hmm. and it was about is about the situation at Ford, and uh, the eleven billion dollar restructuring that's going on. So so tell us what you think is is happening at Ford, John. For uh, those who don't get the Free Press, though. So. Okay, so. Wall Street's really down on Ford right now. Their earnings are going nowhere. They fired their last CEO, Mark Fields. They brought in this new guy, Jim Hackett. Everybody was expecting things to happen, and nothing's happened. And we don't have a clear idea of where the company's going, except that we know this massive restructuring is coming. They're supposedly going to get rid of roughly, uh, what, 10% of their workforce, which would be about 20,000 people. Uh, well, they haven't said they were going to do that. Well, they ha- uh, yeah. the Times of London did. <laughs> and this was- and I, I'll bet the Times has got it right. Uh, also, we know that Ford is working with Volkswagen. That's mainly in Europe, though, they're talking. The, 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 Correct. The big, the big uh, cutback is happening in Europe. Right. And they've got a joint venture now with Volkswagen. They've been talking. Right. They've been well, they talking announced to- that there was a commercial vehicle they were going to they, talking But it's going to go that. beyond that. It's going to go way point, beyond The point that. is that, that GM has basically closed down Europe because it lost too much money there. Ford didn't lose as much money as GM did, so they felt good about themselves. But they have a lot of capital tied up in Europe, and they're not making money on that, and they need capital here. They're building, they're building this building downtown. They, they, they have electric vehicles. They said they're building something like 40 electric vehicles they're going to bring forward, and this is very, very expensive. You can't afford to have that much capital tied up in Europe when it's not making money for you. Yeah. It's, uh, Europe is not making money. They're losing money in uh, South America. China. China. Good point, uh, Christy. China, sales and profitability has dropped off a lot. And so I think we've got this big restructuring coming. And I think that Ford is deciding we're not going to say anything about it until the whole plan's done and we're going to dump the whole enchilada out there. But in the meantime... Uh, Wall Street doesn't like this lack of communication. Hates uncertainty. Their shares are down 25% this year. Yeah, and so a lot of uncertainty as to what's going to happen at Ford. I think we're going to see a wow of a plan when they announce it. It's going to be drastic. So, so, okay, for the viewers here in the United States that work at Ford— do you think they will be affected by this? Or is this all going to be South America and China and Europe? It'll be mostly outside of the U.S., but it'll happen here, too. There'll be repercussions. There'll be reorganizations here. I think one of the things that Sergio, the late Sergio Marchionne did was he had these five-year plans. And, and, and Gone has had five-year plans. And every year, you know, they have very specific targets and very specific goals. And, you know, red lights, green lights, yellow lights, you know, very, very specific. And, and the investors like that stuff. And because they've been out there and they've been very, very visible and very specific, I think it puts a lot of pressure on whoever is running Ford Motor Company to come out and do the same. And I think it puts the same kind of pressure on Mary Barr. Jim Hackett? That would be Jim Hackett, the CEO. But but you know what? If you're CEO of the Ford Motor Company, you're only a co-CEO. You're always co-CEO with Bill Ford. You're co-CEO with the family representative. That's just the reality of a family organized company. Mm-hmm. And so the two of them really have to come out and say, this is the this is the plan. This is where we're going. This is how many. 
And if Wall Street likes it, they'll buy their stock. If Wall Street doesn't like it, they're not going to buy their stock. You know, it was interesting. I had, I had lunch with a friend of mine today, and we were talking and, about And by the Ford. way, don't forget, they also lowered their credit rating last week. Now, right. that's not a leading indicator. That's a lagging indicator. That's more of a validation of what people already knew, which is their, their balance sheet is getting weaker mm-hmm. because of these investments. So his friend pointed out that Right now, Ford's market capitalization is $37.5 billion. Now, as, as we all recall, last month, Apple became the first trillion-dollar company. Okay, in, in 30 days, they have increased their market value by $80 billion, more than twice of what Ford is worth. Just, just the increase in one month okay. in Apple's value. Well, well, well I mean, what does that say? Well, it says that uh, to the Ford Motor Company, the sum of your parts is less than the whole. You know, Ford could probably spin off the F-150 franchise with the, the body-on-frame SUVs and get more than $35 billion in market cap. Right. They could, they could sell the, uh, the F-150 truck for probably more than $35 billion. And, and so that's the problem that Ford has. And, and what's so maddening to people like us who follow the sure. industry, love the industry, want to see the industry do well, Ford's in the same damn problem all over again. And this just keeps on happening and happening and happening. They say, oh, we've got to get more efficient. We have too many platforms. We have too many different components. We have this and that. I have heard this story so much now, I'm sick of it. And I know that the new restructuring plan is going to have more of it. But it shows that there is a deeper problem that I believe is at the board of Ford Motor Company. It's got a very poor track record of picking the next CEO. It's got a very poor track record, the board does, of making sure that the company is sticking to its plan and delivering results. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, you know, the, your whole discussion of market capitalization made me want to bring up, and I think we should bring up, it would be delinquent if you didn't, what's been happening to Tesla stock in the last month, that it's gone from like 380 to 280 and change as I looked at it today. I mean, it's lost about maybe 30% of its, 30 to 33% of its market cap. And what do you attribute that to? It's the, the CEO, and, it's, and, it could, and, it could be, and it could be going down some more unless the board does something. He came out on the uh, 7th of August and basically conceded that, a, uh, that, a, that what he had said, which was that there was financing for uh, taking private of Tesla, he couldn't back it up, and there's been a massive loss of confidence by the investors. And uh, the question becomes, again, you mentioned the board of Ford. What about the board of Tesla? I mean, they're the ones who represent the shareholders. Elon Musk has a huge stake in this company, 15 20 percent, something like that, but he doesn't own the whole company. So, uh, so who's going to stop this place from going down the drain? Somebody called me yesterday and said, should I buy Tesla stock now? I said, no. This is what you call on Wall Street trying to catch a falling knife. You do not try to catch a falling knife. But they have the number one selling EV by many, 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 many. Right. In fact, going back to sales. Yeah, that's like being, you know, called the tallest dwarf in America. I mean, yeah, yeah. So but what? Here's another fascinating <laughs> statistic that I was able to dig out of uh, the Ward's numbers. <laughs> Tesla accounts for 70% of all EV sales in the United States. And we're States. talking BEVs. Full, BEVs. Full, full battery, battery electric. 70, 70%. Okay, so you- and in fact, if you take Tesla sales out of the EV numbers... Sales of EVs were down 30% last month. Okay. So all the growth in the EV segment, at least in the U.S. market, is coming from Tesla. Okay. The rest you, of them are also the Rams. Three, and if you look into their third yeah, quarter financials, the at, the end of, at the end of September, we're going to come to the end of the third quarter. And then sometime in October, we're going to have the third quarter financial support report for Tesla. And if you dig into that report, see what the number is of money that Tesla made from others buying their EV credits. Because that's where a lot of their money is coming from. EV credits that other companies are buying from them, and they're making a lot of money. So they get a lot big advantage for being first. Uh, But but what's going to happen now is that they are running out of the incentive money. This program, they're going to, by the end of this year... They don't get a buyer of a Tesla car will not get the seven hundred and fifty dollars federal tax. Let's let's say for the sake of argument that Sandy Monroe, who said that um, Tesla can make 30 percent on the production of Model 3s, they're ramping up the Model 3s at some point. Isn't it possible they'll start making some money? 
Well, that's what Elon's talked all about. And, you know, I, I think, you know, his key to doing it is slam the door on spending. Nobody can spend any money at all so that only money is coming in. And but how do you do that? I mean, there's money flowing out the door every day. Well, you know, you don't have to start developing that uh, electric well, pickup truck or that electric semi. You don't have to spend all that kind of money to do that. If they're of. really spending money. Well, look, uh, you know, I mean, that's a press release. That's all that is, is a fancy picture in a press release. Who knows how much money is actually being spent on that stuff? The problem is Elon has set expectations way too high. And, you know, once again, he's overpromised. If he would not overpromise, I think we'd all be very happy with where Tesla is. Yeah, well, I think so. I don't think you would be, though. I would. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting know, for him. I know who you are. I'm rooting for him. I don't think you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> An anonymous person told me that. Yeah. Same guy who wrote that uh, op-ed. <laughs> that woman who wrote the op-ed in the, in the uh, New York Times. I don't know. Yeah, okay. All right, what else you got? No Dr. Data today? We did. Well, we Dr. did. Data. That, that was our, our guessing at... Uh, oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about the, uh, the sales numbers. I can have you guess a sales number if you want. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. Um, what did you think stood out in the sales numbers? The Model 3. I mean, that's just really phenomenal. What was the final number? Uh, 20,000, I think. I don't, no, no. You, I don't know how, you, the month. Sorry, how you can read sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I want to say it was like 6,000. No, excuse me. Oh, 6,000. Yes, 6,000 6, Model 3, uh, 1,312 Model S's. So for the year, they've sold 35,706 Model 3s and 14,776 Model See, S's. And, so, and so, if, they, so Tesla sold 35,000 cars. 35,000 Model 3s. Model 3s. So, so I'm looking in Mini sold 30,732 for the year. So that's the Cooper S two-door, Cooper S or Cooper four-door, convertible, Clubman, Countryman, Paceman, right? They have all those cars. And so the Model 3 outsold all of them. Yeah. Another, thing, bad. another thing that stood out for me is that Toyota sold almost as many RAV4 hybrids this year as they've sold Prius sedans. So the sedan is the Prius that everybody knows, basically, the traditional body style, which right. used to be, I mean, at this point in the year, they'd be on their way to 100,000 sales of that vehicle, and mm -hmm. they're at like 35, and the RAV4 hybrid's at 32-something, and it's just, uh, again, showing the movement from away from cars toward light trucks. Or, as and Don I, would say, it's the design of that Prius that he... <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a factor I don't think well. that helps uh, the Prius exactly right. Yeah. But, no, Christy makes a good point, is that... Uh, the RAV4 hybrid is on fire. That thing is really selling well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that, Daron? Look, um, th there's no question that uh, the, uh, the CUV trend has taken over. The question is, at what point others are going to drop out of the sedan market? I mean, it takes a lot of guts to say, okay, we're not going to make the Chevy Cruze anymore, but at what point do you, do you say something like that and say we're going to come up with a new vehicle, new name, or, or a redesign of the Chevy Cruze that's a CUV? Because it's not that hard to do from an engineering standpoint, right? You have, you have the architecture of it. What people don't like is the three-box silhouette. So you stop the three-box silhouette. You call it something else, and you make it more like what a smaller version of what people like. The Equinox, I guess. I, what, how did the Equinox? Oh, You're I, allowed to tell I, a non-subscriber if you don't okay. mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not allowed. Sorry. You almost tricked me, Dora. Okay. <laughs> Can you characterize it, though? Did the Equinox do well? I believe it's doing well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which I mean, we, one would, it would expect. It would, be, it would be, like, impossible for a vehicle in that category not, not to, to do, do well. well. But my point is, why are you still making Chevy Cruises if it's so hard to sell them? Well, it's the sales keep dropping for all passenger yeah. cars. They're still going to sell, I don't know, four to five million this year. You just don't walk away from that. No, you can't walk away from a market in mass, but you could look at what kind of pricing you're getting versus what kind of pricing, let's say, uh, Toyota Corolla is getting and right. say, OK, our net margin is falling. We can't afford to do that. We need to bring the net margin up. The way to bring the net margin up is to put a car out there, a, a crossover out there that people want yeah. with, a, with clever features, a lot of uh, safety devices, new styling, that sort of thing. Well, you but here's the thing. You, There's still a lot of people buying Camrys and Accords and Civics. Yeah. Where is the, the point where you go, 
we just we don't want to invest in a new one. We're not at that point yet. Right. Mm-hmm. But and, what and, I'm and at, by, wondering. By the is, way, Toyota and Nissan and Honda, they say when some of these others laggards get out of this market, it's going to only make this better. Yeah, us. maybe that's their spin. Yeah. I looked Toyota, Honda, Nissan each saw their passenger car sales drop by double digits last month. Of course they did. And so what my question is, when does the pass car segment bottom out? And I thought we were starting to get there, but I'm telling you, uh, sales have been dropping by roughly 50 to 60,000 cars every single month. Last month, they dropped by 90,000. What I said earlier applies. You don't try to catch a, a, a falling knife. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't. But what I want to know is, where's the bottom? We, yeah. we, we're nowhere near the bottom yet. Listen, the thing you're trying to figure out is the thing that they're tearing their hair out at Toyota and Nissan and Honda headquarters because, believe me, they're scared of this as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Thomas, Thomas Wilcox points out that the plug-in Prius is doing okay and the Prius Prime, that's the plug-in, right? Right. And yeah, they, had, uh, they had sales of uh, 2,071 in August, which is an increase of 13.8%, and they're up 35.8% for the year for that plug-in. Mm-hmm. So they're doing okay. All right, we are at the top of the hour, unless... Yeah. Jerome wants to begin to investigate. He wants to talk he? about snacks in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add, I think it's dangerous getting rid of all these cars. I mean, a lot of people in the industry love to say, well, fuel economy of crossovers is better than ever. Highway fuel economy of crossovers is better than ever. City fuel economy. I live in a city. I'm driving these vehicles in a city, hitting the brake all the time. I'm getting like 18 or 19 miles per gallon. So next gas spike, gas price spike people want cars, there's not going to be anything available. You know, there's yeah, going to be really be that Camry, Corolla, what was the other, uh, Accord and uh, Civic. But what they're going to go buy are hybrid crossovers, like the RAV4. Well, we need more of them. I mean, they're, that's... They're coming. They're yeah. all coming. Yeah. Well, we're, we're what's just really going to wave the what's really right. gonna, we got one okay. more. We have one more question. This is Rick Bradner wants to know, will the Ford family sell to Volkswagen? No. No. Own? <laughs> no, no, he says no. Not unless they're forced to. I mean, the Ford family, had there been a bankruptcy in the last downturn, the Ford family would be out. So if they can turn it around, they'll be fine and they'll get to stay. But if they can't turn it around, they won't be in it. Christy, final word. I can't imagine. You can't no. imagine. I, not voluntarily. No. I agree with that. Not voluntarily. No. No. They'll give Ford a figure The answer is no. (laughs) What was it? John McLaughlin used to uh, do these things. All right. So the show is approximately over. I want to talk about this Instagram thing one more time. So, so John, you've accumulated a lot of good swag over the years. Is this true? Yeah. My office is jam-packed with this stuff. We've got to get rid of it. So so just... I'm going to take some when I leave today. No, no, no snacks. <laughs> you probably you. got it. All right. So, so the swag giveaway <laughs> on Instagram. Okay. So go to the Instagram page at Autoline Network, and you can see it right there. Okay. Of course, if you're on your car, you're not seeing it right there. But go to the Instagram page of the Autoline Network. Give it a follow. Click on the our giveaway post. Like it and tag a friend in the comments. Okay. All three things. Follow. So I want to point out, there, there's a Lexus RC radio-controlled car. This is wow. a big model. I'm Looks like there's a, a Porsche poster. There's a Dodge Demon T-shirt. There's a, a Viper hat. There's some sort of cool notebook. And there's some other... Th- I'm not even sure what some of the other things are. But Is that an electronic cigarette there? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I, I think that is uh, one of those battery things for recharging your phone. It's either that or... All right, there's a lot of good... There's good, a lot of good, good stuff, stuff there. there. So, okay, you got to do the three things. Okay, go to Instagram, Autoline Network, follow us, like the posts, and tag a friend. Um, you got to enter now because we pick the winner on Friday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, if you're listening live. Yesterday, if you're listening on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're listening on the weekend, <laughs> you're screwed. You, you lost. <laughs> you, you don't get any of that good stuff. And so, all right. So, Daron, thank, thank you for you. inviting me. It's always 12, fun to be here. 12 noon, Sirius XM Sirius 121, XM. 121, you in the driver's seat. You be there, right after Howard Stern. And this is, this is 12 noon Eastern time? Eastern time, yes. Okay, just got to make sure. Also in Bermuda. Also in Bermuda. <laughs> Christy Schweinsberg, thank you very much for coming back. Thank you, Gary. It's been fun, as yeah. always. And, and our special guest... 
John Hey, McElroy. it's been a real pleasure being on the show. <laughs> Let me tell you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> all right, so we'll see you all next week. Auto Line After Hours is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires, your journey, our passion. Lear, a global leader in automotive seating and electrical systems. And by Borg Warner, propulsion solutions that support a clean, energy-efficient world. Visit our website, autoline.tv, where you can watch us live Thursday afternoons, get your daily news fix with Autoline Daily, and in-depth analysis and interviews with Autoline this week. There's all that and much more at autoline.tv. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.